1: To the Tormont second quarter 2021 results conference call please be advised that this call is being recorded your host for today will be Mr Michael McMillan please go ahead Mr McMillan
2: great thank you Elena good morning everyone thank you for joining us today to discuss the results of Tormont Industries Limited for the second quarter and the first half of 2021 also on the call with me this morning is Scott Medhurst president and chief executive officer As noted in the press release issued yesterday, we will be referring to a package posted on our website and we encourage listeners to download it and follow along. At this time, and as noted on slide two of our presentation, I would like to advise listeners that the presentation may contain forward-looking statements and information that are subject to certain risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that may lead to actual results or events differing materially from those expected. For a complete discussion of these factors, refer to our press release from yesterday which is available on our website. As is our practice, we will focus on key highlights for the current quarter. Scott will begin with a few general remarks followed by comments on our overall results after which I will provide some highlights on our divisional results and financial position. After our prepared remarks, we will be more than happy to answer questions. Over to you Scott.
3: Thank you Mike and good morning everyone. Before I begin, I would ask that you move to slide three of the package. On July 15th, our Board of Directors announced the retirement of its chair, Mr. Robert Ogilvie. Mr. Ogilvie's responsibilities extended beyond the original scheduled retirement date of April 2021, as the COVID crisis presented unprecedented uncertainties beginning March 2020. Mr. Ogilvie and the Board remain committed to an orderly transition while closely monitoring the economic realities during the pandemic. The company has navigated relatively well over the last 16 months, building on a strong foundation through operational excellence and strategic execution. Given the company's position and Mr. Ogilvie's belief that Torremont is well-placed for the future, he advised the Board it was an appropriate time to retire. Mr. Ogilvie's iconic 36-year career included, 34 years as chairman and 20 years as chief executive officer. As at Q2 2021, during Mr. Ogilvie's tenure, Tormont has increased its dividend consistently each year since 1989. This record of performance built significant value for Tormont shareholders while creating opportunities for our employees. Positive outcomes are from disciplines that were embedded in a culture of decentralization, empowerment, and accountability. These principles remain core to the Torremont Foundation today and a platform to build our future. During his time as Chair and Chief Executive Officer, the company's transformational growth was substantial. Mr. Ogilvie's outstanding financial and operational acumen were instrumental in leading strategic events, including the 1993 acquisition of the Ontario Caterpillar dealership. Through strong operating performance, the company accelerated further expansion with the acquisition of the Newfoundland Labrador dealership, followed by Manitoba and most of the new territories. There were many other milestone events, including the acquisition of the battlefield rental business that originally consisted of one store and has since grown to over 70 outlets from Manitoba to Newfoundland. In 2011, under Mr. Ogilvy's leadership, there was further transformation with a bifurcation of the Energy Interflex Systems Limited. This decision positioned the business well to focus on growing the dealership, rental and refrigeration businesses. As chair, his council was instrumental in the acquisition of the Quebec and Maritime dealerships, our largest transaction to date. Robert has been a mentor to many of today's Torremont leadership team and directors. The entire organization wishes Robert well in his retirement Thanks him for his significant contributions to Tormont's success and his steadfast commitment to our employees, customers, and shareholders. Mr. Richard Waugh joined Tormont Board in 2018 and has been appointed chair. Mr. Waugh is currently chair of Tormont's Environmental Social Governance Committee and is a member of the Audit Committee. During his more than 35 years of business experience, he spent 16 years at Uniselect where he advanced through several senior executive roles, including Vice President, Administration, and Chief Financial Officer, Vice President and Chief Operating Officer, and President and Chief Executive Officer. We congratulate Mr. Wah on his appointment. Turning to Q2 in the first half of the year on slide four, we are pleased with the overall activity levels in our end markets and are proud of our team's dedication and ability to adjust to ongoing changes in the environment and customer requirements. The equipment group reported strong prime product deliveries reflecting robust activity levels. Rental and product support activity increased as equipment usage improved. During the quarter, we also secured three new battlefield locations in the Ontario market, which are in the process of opening. With respect to Simco. Revenues increased, reflecting the build-out of our industrial orders booked in 2020. However, product support activity remains somewhat impacted by COVID-19 restrictions, particularly within the recreational segment. Turning now to our financial results highlighted on slide 5. Important to note, the second quarter of 2020 was hardest hit by the impact of pandemic site restrictions and shutdowns which resulted in lower revenues and profit margins and impacts comparability of results in the current year. The company delivered solid results in the second quarter of 2021. Market activity increased in the equipment group, and Simco continued to deliver on the strong order backlog. Focus on operational efficiency and leveraging learnings from the past year are a focus. Continue to operate with caution given the rapidly changing situation driven by COVID-19 variants. Backlogs were 957.8 million at quarter end, up 93% versus Q2 2020. In the equipment group, mining and construction represent approximately 33 and 43% of backlog, respectively. Typical backlogs were 35% lower at the quarter end versus last year, which had exceptionally strong bookings in the first half of last year. Simco results in Q2 reflect good progress, delivering packages related to this backlog position. On a consolidated basis, revenues increased 33%, reflecting increased activity in both the equipment group and Simco, in most markets and across all regions, as well as solid execution from our teams. Product support and rental revenues increased 14% and 27%, respectively, compared to the similar quarter last year and were both up 7% on a year-to-date basis. Operating income was up 59% in the quarter and 46% year-to-date on the higher revenues. Revenue growth exceeded expense growth as COVID-19 restrictions and cost containment focus continued. Net earnings increased 67% in the quarter and 51% year-to-date versus 2020, while basic earnings per share increased 41 cents dollar three per share in the quarter and increased 54 cents to $1.62 per share on a year-to-date basis we continue to provide essential services and solutions to our customers while remaining diligently focused on safeguarding our employees and protecting our business for the future we appreciate and value our entire team's incredible effort and ongoing commitment to adapt to changes in the business environment in the quarter Market activity was very strong, and in some cases, putting pressure on supply chain availability and delivery date extensions. Although vaccination rates in the main markets we serve are improving, caution is warranted given the changing status of the pandemic and the response required. Technician hiring remains a priority to meet demand. The diversity of our geographic landscape and market serve, extensive product and service offerings and financial strength, together with our disciplined operating culture, continue to position us well to respond to the near-term business dynamics and, most importantly, build for the future.
2: Mike, I'll turn it over to you for some more detailed comments on the group results. Thanks, Scott. Let's put a bit more color on the operating results, starting with the equipment group on slide 6. Revenues were up 31% in the quarter and 22% on a year-to-date basis on strong equipment sales combined with higher product support and rental activity in most markets and regions. Total new and used equipment sales were up 44% overall in the quarter and 38% year-to-date. Sales increased across all markets and regions in both the quarter and year-to-date. In the quarter, construction markets were up 38% Power systems up 15%, material handling up 26%, agriculture up 76% and mining was up 181%. Rental revenues were up 27% in the quarter and 7% year to date. Most markets and segments were up reflecting continued improvement in the market activity in the second quarter against a weak comparable last year. Again, recall that in Q2 of 2020, the full impact of COVID-19 was being experienced. temporary shutdowns and care and maintenance procedures in many of our mining locations. Light equipment rentals were up 22% in the quarter and 7% year-to-date. Heavy equipment rentals were up 100% in the quarter and 49% year-to-date. Power rentals up 29% in the quarter and 5% year-to-date and material handling rentals were up 34% in the quarter and 13% year-to-date. RPO our rental with a purchase option revenues were down 15% in the quarter and 35% year-to-date on a smaller average fleet, reflecting the recent theme where customers have preferred to purchase outright versus the RPO option. The RPO fleet was at $32.2 million versus $43 million a year ago and in both cases well below more normal levels we'd operate with prior to the pandemic. Product support revenues grew 15% in the quarter and 9% year-to-date in both parts and service revenues in the majority of markets and regions. Activity within construction markets was up 19% in the quarter and 12% year-to-date. Mining was up 12% in the quarter, 5% year-to-date. Material handling was up 37% and 25% year-to-date. Agricultural activity was relatively unchanged for the quarter and year-to-date. Gross profit margins increased 20 basis points in the quarter and remained flat year-to-date compared to last year. While equipment margins and product support margins were largely unchanged in both the quarter and year-to-date, rental margins were higher by 150 basis points and 120 basis points for the quarter and year-to-date respectively. These improvements reflect higher utilization as well as benefits from fleet adjustments including selective dispositions and acquisitions over the last year. Selling and administrative expenses in the quarter increased 13 million or 12 percent and 14.5 million or 7 percent for the first quarter of 21. The increase is mainly attributable to the mark-to-market adjustments on deferred share units due to the higher share price and higher compensation costs. Other expenses increased reflecting higher activity levels. Cost discipline remains a strong focus. However, areas such as travel and training are being managed carefully to support the business requirements after several quarters of significant reduction. Allowance for doubtful accounts decreased $3 million in the quarter and $1.9 million in the first half of the year on good collection activity. Operating income for the quarter and year-to-date was up 61% and 46% respectively, reflecting the higher revenue level coupled with lower expense ratio, in other words, revenue improvement outpaced expense growth. Bookings increased 113% in the quarter and 108% year-to-date across all sectors except agriculture, which was lower by 34%. Construction and mining bookings were up 122% and 165% respectively in the quarter, reflecting several large orders. Backlogs of 810 million were 201% higher than this time last year across all sectors, approximately 65% of which are currently expected to be delivered in this year and subject to timing differences depending on vendor supply, customer activity, and delivery schedules. Let's turn now to Simcoe on slide 7. Revenues are up 52% in the quarter and 45% year-to-date, mainly due to strong package revenues on continued progress against industrial orders booked in 2020. Product support sales remain flat in the quarter and decrease 4% year-to-date largely due to lower activity in the recreational segment stemming from ongoing site restrictions. Package revenues were up 104 percent in the quarter and 105 percent for the first half of 2021, with increases in both recreational and industrial markets. For the quarter, package revenues in Canada were up 149 percent, reflecting higher industrial revenues. In the U.S., package revenues decreased 9 percent on a smaller base, with higher revenues in the industrial market and lower revenues in the recreational markets. On a year-to-date basis, package revenues increased in both Canada, up 120%, 27%, and in the U.S., up 26%, with increases in both recreational and industrial markets in Canada across all regions and the U.S. Product support revenues remained flat for Q2 and decreased 4% for the first half of the year versus last year. In Canada, lower activity levels from continued site restrictions in most areas and reduced demand, particularly in recreational centers, which have been closely closed or severely restricted by the pandemic, resulted in lower product support revenues in both the quarter and year-to-date. In the U.S., the higher technician base continued to support activity levels, resulting in a 16% increase in the quarter and a 4% increase year-to-date, albeit on a smaller base. Gross profit margins decreased 420 basis points in the quarter and 470 basis points here to date versus last year. The decrease in gross profit margins was due mainly to less favorable sales mix of product support revenue to total revenue. Margins primarily reflect activity levels, nature of projects in process, and construction schedules, which can be somewhat variable. Selling and administrative expenses were up 21% in the quarter. 10% year to date. Reflecting the higher activity levels, certain costs such as travel and training were higher after a period of contained spending. Compensation expenses increased in support of higher activity levels and reflecting higher profit sharing accruals with higher income. Operating income was up 31% for the quarter and 35% for the first half of the year, largely reflecting higher package revenues, partially offset by lower gross margins. Bookings were 46.1 million in the quarter, down 11% versus last year, which included an exceptionally strong level of bookings due to several large industrial orders in Canada. Recreational bookings were 4% lower on reduced market activity in Canada, slightly offset by higher activity in the U.S. The industrial markets were down 15% with reduced activity in both Canada and the U.S. Year-to-date bookings were lower 49% to 84 million. As noted, several exceptionally large industrial orders were received in Canada in the first quarter of 2020, resulting in a decrease in bookings compared to last year. Industrial orders were down 59% with a decrease in Canada, offset by an increase in the U.S. Recreational orders decreased 18% to 34.7 million, with decreases in both U.S. and Canada. Backlogs of 147.5 million were 35% lower than the end of last year mainly related to progress against relatively large industrial orders, as noted earlier. We expect approximately 90% of this backlog to be realized as revenue in the year. However, again, this is subject to construction schedules and potential changes stemming from the COVID-19 pandemic. On slide 8, I'd like to touch on a few key financial highlights. Non-cash working capital reflects our team's focus and effective actions to proactively manage changes related to activity levels and underlying demand. Management of our working capital continues to be a focus area as we position the company for the future. Accounts receivable aging receives continuous focus. It is trending well with DSO down five days compared to Q2 of 2020. Inventory levels continue to be adjusted in light of market activity and are below prior year levels. Accounts payable reflects the timing of purchasing and the wind down of certain extended terms with suppliers, which is effectively complete, partially offset by higher DSU liability related to the higher relative closing share price. We ended the first quarter with a strong financial position with cash of $661 million, ample liquidity, a balance sheet, a balanced net cash position, and our balance sheet well positioned to support changes in demand. And finally, as announced, the Board of Directors yesterday approved the regular quarterly dividend at a rate of $0.35 per common share, consistent with last quarter when it was increased by $0.04, or approximately 12.9%. On slide 9, we conclude with some key takeaways as we look forward to Q3 and the second half. As one would expect, we continue to focus on our three key priorities, protecting our employees serving our customers and protecting our business for the future. We expect the business environment to remain dynamic in 2021 and the tone of caution to persist given the changing status of the pandemic and response required to new variants and vaccine rollout schedules. We continue to proactively monitor developments closely and refine our business practices appropriately. As discussed today, market activity was very strong in the quarter and in some cases, unique buying patterns relative to historical trends and prime product and parts supply pressures were evident, including extended delivery dates. We continue to work actively with our suppliers in this regard, monitoring availability, delivery schedules, and customer buying behaviors. Our teams are working diligently on the pipeline forecast, repair schedules, and parts demand signals. Additionally, technician hiring also remains a priority to meet demand and build our team for the future. We are positioned to effectively respond to customer requirements and market opportunities, leveraging our disciplined operating model, culture, and solid financial position. That concludes our prepared remarks at this time. We'll be pleased to take questions. Alana, over to you, please, to set up the first call.
1: Certainly, thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines If you have a question and you're using a speakerphone, please lift your handset prior to making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. You may cancel your question at any time by pressing star 2. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause while the participants register. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from Jacob Bout with CIBC. Please go ahead.
4: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
5: Good morning. Good morning, Jacob. Um, my first question is just on uh, equipment availability. Um, you know, are you seeing any supply chain issues or did you see anything in the second quarter? And, and how are you thinking about this for the, the second half of the year?
3: Yeah, we, we did see uh, a bit of a change in the second quarter. We uh, saw some tightening of, of prime product availability uh, through the various supply chains as well as parts. Um, I, you know, what we're pleased about, we stated it earlier in the year, and last year was our continued focus on working closely with our our supply partners on our pipeline forecasting as, where, as well as our repair scheduling requirements and um, demand signals in the parts area. So, I think that discipline played out reasonably well when you see those very strong uh, new equipment sales, particularly in the equipment group. Uh, And then the uh, parts activity was was held up reasonably well. So uh, there are some pressures in there, and that's why we're in a cautious uh, outlook here, state relative to some of the variables in play.
5: So so in the uh, the MD&A, you you talk about you know expecting to deliver sixty-five percent of the backlog uh, to be delivered in the second half of of this year, uh, subject to vendor supply you know, if under normal circumstances where equipment was readily available, would that number have been higher?
3: Well, what we're what we're focused on right now is working closely with the suppliers relative to those um, time frames, but what we saw in the second quarter was some extension relative to delivery dates, so we continue to work
2: closely on that. Yeah. One thing to keep in mind, too, Jake, uh, is, um, you know, we did... Uh, speak to some of the mining orders and different things and some of the equipment does have longer lead times as you know and would be delivered into uh, the next fiscal period and beyond right. So there is a bit of a mix uh, when you look at the composition of the backlog that we've uh, disclosed as well.
5: Okay, Um, second question is just how you're thinking about margins in in the second half of the year given you know the phasing back of discretionary spending and and, and labor inflation.
3: Well a couple of things on that front you know if you look at the quarter on a percentage basis I mean the, the equipment sales were very strong as was the uh, project uh, revenue streams at simcoe so on a on a product support basis as a percentage of total I mean they were they were below what they normally are um, you know we' we also it's it's a it's a bit of a favorable operating environment because we're still very much in a controlled environment relative to the uh, COVID, and uh, so, you know, we're going to be very focused on that going forward, that area on operating expense and leverage. We've got some learnings in there, but, you know, as, as things open up, that's going to, you know, create a, a different environment on that front, so that's an area of focus for us. Do mm-hmm. you have got anything else to add there, Mike?
2: No, I think that's I think that's right. I think it's the product support, the mix of sales and and like you say, the containment of spending we're still under a, a reasonably restricted environment right and so discretionary spend in areas like that of course we'll be managing that carefully to go forward as Scott mentioned but uh, but that will you know pace a little differently as people are more mobile
5: how about any offsets here to to this this phase back and discretionary uh, you know either you know from a work from home perspective or or anything else we should be thinking about?
3: Yeah, well, those are the, that's the area, Jacob, that we're very focused on as, as things develop in terms of opening here relative to lessons learned. And, you know, that's the area that, you know, we're, we're going to try and incorporate some, some different uh, actions, um, but still early stage on that front. And uh, so that's why in, in Q2 I think we still had some favorable outcomes relative to how we're operating right now.
2: Yeah, yeah. A good case in point there would be if you think of our our perspective work from home. You mentioned, um, you know, we do own most of our real estate. Um, so from a from that perspective, largely what you'll see is the discretionary spend in the sense of travel, entertainment, and other things where we can, you know, we can be more effective. We've learned to use technology as many have, and uh, there'll be a different balance there on on that particular area of discretionary spend.
5: Okay we'll leave it there thank you
2: thank you Jacob thanks Jacob
1: thank you the next question is from Yuri link with Canaccord Genuity please go ahead
6: Hey, good morning guys I wanted to dig in a little bit hey good morning wanted to dig in a little bit on on the new awards I mean they've they've exploded here in the first half of the year just give a, a little more color on on the nature of these awards um, in terms of their size. Like uh, I know in the I think in the first quarter there was a large equipment package in mining. Um, was there any carryover to that package? Were there other large packages in in Q2, or or was this uh, mostly small and and medium sized awards?
3: Well, that. But- um, I, I don't know about exploded. I think it's all relative to, you know, you can, as, as we, we tried to articulate, comparing to Q2 maybe isn't the way to go about this. It's, you know, the market activities in Q2 on a historical basis were extremely strong, okay? Um, and, and that's just reality. So we're, we're monitoring buying behaviors. Now, relative to the deals that were booked, uh, construction was, was very strong in in the quarter, and there wasn't anything of magnitude in there. Um, I think the team performed reasonably well in the market relative to the opportunities. Um, mining, you're, you know, you get lumpy in there on mining. Yes, in the first quarter there was a couple of large orders, but we continued to uh, progress reasonably well in there. So I, I think it's, it's all relative to a very strong industry activity levels in that uh, – in that quarter, and again reinforcing, if you look at it over a ten-year period, it was strong. <laughs> I mean, uh, so we're really assessing and absorbing the buying behavior patterns right now, um, determining was there a pull forward, what does that mean, you know? So, so there's some real interesting dynamics in play right now, Yuri. Yeah,
6: for sure. Um, second question, just. On on your inventory levels, um, I don't think I've seen them since you you did the the acquisition of QM. I don't think I've seen them this low Um, and and you're sitting with, uh, obviously, a a record backlog that we just talked about. So, um, how how do I think about that in in terms of uh, investment in in inventory for the back half of the year? Uh, Is is the product available, first of all, and, and I guess should I be expecting a larger than normal investment in, in inventory or working capital in, in the back half of 21
3: Yeah, great, great observation. Again, reflective of the market dynamics in play. The activity, industry activity levels were so strong, and again, I think it reflects that we were able to react reasonably well when you look at those new sales up about 57%, so because of the disciplines that were in place there on pipeline forecasting with our suppliers, we were able to react reasonably well. But what that meant was there was a drain on the inventory when normally we see a build, right? So let me give you an example. So RPOs were, were down, we're down around 32 million, which is historically low. I mean, when you look at that level of activity and normal trends, we should be sitting here with well over $100 million in RPO, so that's usually in your inventory, which also usually transcends well for second half conversions. We're sitting here on a a low level with impacts, that inventory, as well as um, the the used equipment market. We're we're not even seeing the same trends on trades. Our, Our used equipment revenues, we we were, we were pleased with how the team operated there. We got 10% growth, but it was, it was driven really by our purchase strategies, not our normal like demo class or trade revenue streams. So that's impacting inventory levels as well. So a lot of dynamics in play there that uh, played out too with that, as you stated, um, the current inventory relative to a comparison on a comparison basis. Mm-hmm.
2: And just uh, just on the working capital question as well, Yuri, you know we've been saying for a couple of quarters that you know we're positioned. We ex- we've been running lower in inventory deliberately, at, and so forth. Even last year, we we're about 220 million dollars below where we were last year at this time, and things tapered. And so, we, you know, I would just say again, reinforce the fact that we we are prepared uh, to invest in working capital and and primarily inventory. Um, you've seen our cash balance. That's a reflection of the tightening working capital environment. But I could see easily that we would be investing upwards of 200 plus million in inventory over time, going into a more normal environment as things stabilize, uh, you know, whenever that might be. There's still certainly a lot of uncertainty right now, but we're prepared to have that level of investment as we go forward.
6: Thanks, Thank you.
1: The next question is from Michael Jume with Scotia Bank. Please go ahead.
7: Hey good morning, Scott. Good morning, Mike Good Michael. Um, so yeah, first off, a uh, nice quarter and just to maybe build off of the commentary um, you know from Yuri and, and looking at the results, I, I would have thought that we would have seen equipment gross margins expand versus last year, given the strong demand. I mean was there a specific reason it didn't and I guess the thought is you know given the tight supply conditions, um, you know, and the strong demand. How should we think about the potential volume and pricing trade-offs going forward for the equipment sales?
3: Part of that reflects um, the mix. I mean, you you saw some – I mean, both the the small iron as well as the large industry activities increased – but the the smaller w- was was very larger than a percentage basis so the, so there is a bit of mix uh, impact in there on equipment margins and uh, relative to position and relative to so uh, really I think it really reflects the mix you know we, we're, we're operating still in a competitive environment so uh, there's probably reflection of that as well
7: and going forward just in terms of thinking about you know, tight inventory and demand being high. Anything to think about on, on pricing um, and how that should look like for equipment sales?
3: Yeah, it's, it's difficult to really comment on that on a go-forward basis because, again, we're, we're trying to assess these buying behaviors and what that means over, over a longer period of time, right? I mean, you look at it historically, that was a very strong um, activity level for Q2 so, what does that mean relative to buying behaviors over the long term? We're, we're assessing that. Mm-hmm. Gotcha.
7: Okay. Well, that's helpful. Thanks. And then, um, second question: You know, with product support um, effectively back to pre-pandemic levels, I mean, could you speak um, to the extent of you know whether site restrictions is still a limiting factor here, or if you know hiring and retaining techs is more of a limiting issue going forward? Just to try to get a sense for you know, maybe what are the challenges going forward um, in, in, in the recovery going forward?
3: Yeah, we did see some, some COVID impact on product support um, on the equipment site as well as Simcoe uh, with some um, site restrictions and things of that nature. So, you know, that's why, you know, we're saying there's still uncertainty in, in the operating environment, particularly on product mm-hmm. support. Um, so it's sort of eyes, eyes wide open right now relative to that, um, no need to speculate. It's still a, a, a complex environment, as uh, with vaccinations and um, various areas where, where there could be outbreaks. So, you know, we're just we're just in a uh, trying to manage our way through that. We're really pleased with how the team is able to react to these quick uh, signals. And, uh, but there is still impact on the product support. What we saw in the quarter. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, good, good case in point there, Michael. Is like we've. It's very clear. Say in the Simcoe business, for example, in particular in recreational markets, where you know over half the rinks in Canada have been shuttered for for an extended period of time, and so that that makes sense. Certain locations where social distancing is more challenged, or are different areas like that, or unique locations in mining where you're monitoring case by case. I mean, those are areas that you know we have seen. You know the covid uh, effects uh and the activity levels different than maybe uh what we you'd consider normal right but,
3: but and the other variable you touched on was technicians and um, yeah. and uh, even you know the uh, supervisor level. this we've seen this before when you start to come out, commodity prices are, are certainly um strong, so You know, this is another complexity, and uh, it it introduces a dynamic in the marketplace. We've been here before, but we're working aggressively on that front.
7: Perfect. Thanks, guys. Hopefully things continue to get better for
2: for all of us. Uh, Thanks. Let's hope. Yeah, stay well.
1: (coughs) Thank you. The next question is from Sherilyn Radborn with TD Securities. Please go ahead.
8: Thanks very much, and good morning. before Cheryl, I get to questions, I did just want to take a moment to recognize Robert and wish him our very best in his retirement. Um,
3: thank you for doing that, Cheryl. Yes. much appreciate it.
8: Um, in terms of the purchasing patterns, like obviously the booking strength in the equipment group is really exceptional. Um, and I'd just love to get your thoughts on whether you think it's a, a release of pent-up demand or a pull forward as customers try to get ahead of possible supply chain issues and just how that impacts how you're managing the business.
3: Yeah, great observation. You know, when you look at it on a historical basis, it could very well be a pull forward. And that's why we're, you know, we're not getting ahead of ourselves here. We assess it, because you can't assess this on a quarter over quarter from last year, right? as Mike articulated in his opening comments. So historically, it would suggest so. Um, what that means for the balance of the year, we'll, we're just monitoring it. And that's why we're staying very disciplined on these pipeline forecasting and proud of the team and how they worked through it to get a reasonable outcome in Q2 relative to those bookings. Um, it's all relative to the market performance, how we perform in the market. So we'll see how things progress here, Sherman.
8: And then on the rental business, you had a nice year-over-year lift in the margin on higher utilization and some selective fleet adjustments. Um, so maybe you could talk a little bit about the interplay between rates and utilization in that market.
3: Yeah, so we did see improved utilization, which are both, on, both on the light equipment as well as the heavy we saw it in power. We saw it, even the material handling business. We had nice improvement in there. So, so that was that was good. We have seen uh, a bit of an uptick when you uh, look at the uh, rental rates relative to the benchmarks. So, so that was encouraging. But we still have a ways to go in there. I mean, you know, we're actually behind a bit on our capital allocation there on the rental because we had to shift and react a bit to the retail. So, and again, with with some of the availability uh, constraints that we saw in the second quarter, that impacted things a bit there. But yeah, overall, I mean, we saw some some improvement. We'll see how it plays out for the balance of the year.
1: Thank you. That's my two.
2: Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Joan.
1: Thank you. The next question is from Saba Hatkan with RBC Capital Markets.
0: Please go ahead. Yeah, great, thanks, and good morning. Um, just kind of following up on the discussions around the inventory and um, kind of the outlook for more investments going forward, I guess more from a philosophical perspective, I guess where would you put the next dollar um, of investment? Are you thinking pushing it toward the new equipment because of the elevated backlog, maybe towards rentals because of the drawdown there? How are you making those decisions at this point in the cycle given demand?
2: Yeah, I think you know I guess nothing I would say it's pretty standard approach Sabba. So When you think of the support of the business, um, obviously, as demand warrants, we will invest in inventories and support the business growth. Whether that's working capital, parts support uh, for opportunities, it's inventory for new equipment, and and as Scott mentioned, even securing used equipment and, and providing that to the marketplace. I mean, you know, as demand warrants, we'll continue to invest and we're prepared to do that. Um, You know, I think that the second piece there, too, is also some CapEx. As we see demand moving, we talked a little bit about rental. Again, we've increased our CapEx in that space. We'll continue to invest for the long-term future of growing that business as well, as well as, you know, as well as Scott mentioned, a few new locations and things like that. So continue to think about expansion and where we need to have a presence and, and investing in Locations and the supporting of fleets that uh, that we require for that part of the business. So, you know, I'd say the care and feeding and support of the business and organic initiatives would be the first focus of, of our investment strategy. Right.
3: Yeah, we were pleased that the team was able to uh, secure three new locations. Getting back to that expanded footprint strategy, uh, that that means we have to allocate some capital with uh, rental fleets and things of that nature. So.
6: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, great, thanks for that. And then, just in terms of you know some of the initiatives that you'd put into place in the Quebec Maritimes region, there was a bit of a push out, I guess amidst the pandemic. you know any any updates on the progress with the ERP rollout there and any opportunities for location on the Quebec side. I don't know you mentioned the interior one. Just any update on uh, you know anything left still to do on the the legacy u platform?
3: Well, the integration you know we 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 had to slow a bit there last year, obviously. Uh, although during even with the pandemic, we were able to to get the common ERP platform integrated. So we're we're delighted that now we're in a steady state for the dealership and for Battlefield. We we still have um, ways to go with the material handling business on that integration front, and you know we're working towards that to plug in with the common platform there. Um, we still have we still have some things to work on operationally, particularly on the, the parts and service uh, excellence initiatives that we uh, are focused on. So so that continues as well as uh, coverage areas we're, we're assessing. So we're still still got a, a ways to go there, and, and particularly on the rental side, on the rental services side, we're making progress, but we're not where we need to be. Um, you know, there was improvement in the first half. The rental revenues increased nicely, particularly in Quebec. I think we were up over 30%. But, you know, y- you look at it relative to the original investments, we still have a ways to go there in terms of our execution and fundamentals of running those fleets in coverage.
0: Um, and coverage. And if I could just squeeze in um, one more just on the commentary around having to hire technicians as demand kind of ramps up obviously we're all seeing headlines around labor shortages and labor inflation how are you finding it on the ground level
3: it's um it's an area that uh, that is uh, with a lot of focus uh yes you're right it's it's relevant it's respective of the environment we've seen it before okay when you see these little up these upticks so it it creates um some complexity and challenges, but uh, you know what? It's all about execution, right? And that's what we got to do, and that's what we're focused on, both on technician as well as, you know, the the uh, supervision management in there. That's another key element uh, on the front
2: lines. Thank you. Great, thanks, Emma.
1: Thank you. The next question is from Brian Fast with Raymond James. Please go ahead.
3: Thanks. Uh, good morning, guys. Good, good morning. Work. Brian, you're up early. (laughs) Of course, of course. Um, As you reflect on the last year and a half here, um, are there practices you expect either yourself or your customers will adopt going forward that maybe you were not utilizing
5: prior to the pandemic? I guess uh, I expect buying and selling trends to shift in
3: a a post-COVID world, if at all. Yeah, I think I think there's many learnings. Both, I think, uh, customer. Behaviors as well as how, how we will operate. This is what we're we're assessing right now. Uh, Operating in a complex environment still, but we are working on technology. What we've learned in utilization of technology, how we manage fleet, how we manage the distribution of our mm-hmm. people, and how how we integrate mm-hmm. internally and externally. So or operate. So these things that are. All being assessed on our, our plan, um, and we're monitoring customer activities and, and how they might be changing in this this new world uh, that we're uh, we're operating in. So st- I think it's it's really early still, um, relative to firm plans, um, but it's, it's something that is now part of our our planning process. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, thanks. Um, And then maybe just to dig into supply constraints a bit more, um, in particular parts where inventory was down year over year,
3: uh, is there any concern on parts availability or signals you're getting from your suppliers? Well, we saw saw some challenges creep in 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 the quarter. Uh, Again, really proud of the team. They're working very aggressively with our supply partners to monitor those demand signals, planning our repair planning schedules so we'll we'll see how things play out here but it is at the forefront of uh, heightened focus and uh, you know because we did see some some changes in there in the quarter on some some of the the, uh, availability but again that comes down to to a lot to do with us and our operating disciplines and so we're working hard on that front and taking ownership of it
0: okay that's it for me thanks
1: Thank you. Once again, please press star 1 on your device's keypad if you have a question. The next question is from Maxim Sichev with National Bank. Please
9: go ahead. Hi, good morning, gentlemen. Just a um, couple of quick good morning, ones back. for me, if I may. Um, the, the first one, I uh, wanted to circle back to the three locations that you opened up for Battlefield. Just um, trying to get a better sense in terms of, you know, how long does it take for kind of a new location to get to uh, an optimal, you know, revenue profitability level, uh, just a- any directionality can provide there.
3: Thanks. Yeah, it does take time. Um, you know, we're we're pleased that we're able to, to uh, secure those locations. Team did a nice job there. But you know, you've got to, you're going to put uh, fleets in there, get yourself established, get the operating practice embedded. So this this is not something that happens immediately. It can take you know a couple years. To get to where you want to be, and uh, but we're just really pleased that our footprint strategy is is back at the forefront, and we're able to, to move forward in a couple of these areas. But it takes it takes time. You got to mature. It's like Quebec. I mean, we still the, the aging of that fleet is not where we want it to be, so it does take time. Mm-hmm.
9: Is there that an opportunity to add more locations?
3: That's something we strategically uh, look at regularly and relative to our annual plans, Uh, so that's ongoing, Max.
9: Okay, fair enough, thank you. And then last question, Um, you know, you make an interesting comment around, you know, the ability to manage supply chain inventory. uh, You know, you you mentioned several times about enhanced forecasting uh, capability and tools with your uh, supply chain. Do you mind maybe providing a bit of color in terms of, uh, you know, how the management of all these systems is different now versus maybe five or even ten years ago—that would be super helpful.
3: Thank you. Yeah, that's a great—that's a great question. Well, we have more intel relative to data flow, right? And, and so when we're monitoring, you know, we saw in the quarter increase in usage on uh, on iron, which was good. So you, you start to factor those in and project out with this data flow to help with your your parts demand signals. And, and repair schedules where we work closely with customers. And we're also getting, you know, better connectivity with our uh, CVA activities um, with our customers, and they're, they're seeing value in, in that, I think. So so it really comes down to the data and the technologies to assess and some of the predictive analytics to help on, particularly on that, that part side, but also to help getting good solutions and solutions um, Consulted services for our customers on prime product ownership periods, things of that nature. So, a lot of dynamics in play there. Uh, I think you know a long way to go, but uh, we're we're pleased with some of the progress, and that transcends into our interface with our suppliers on the demand signals. And uh, so that's that's where we are on that front. Right,
9: and and I guess maybe
3: uh, a
9: follow-up, and uh, maybe Mike can comment. But is it fair to say that obviously as you get you know, tighter in terms of you know managing some of these dynamics that we should see. Uh, I mean, down the line, a positive ROIC impact. Is, is that how you guys think about this
2: internally as well?
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. On on these dynamics.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think, like you say, I think you know part of it is is the efficiency and just um, the predictive nature of some of the analytics we can do. I think you know I think there's also just Optimization, just having better visibility, the integration of our platforms. If you think at TDMS we did with the QM business, you know those are fundamentals where you have greater visibility across the network. You can optimize locations, you can shift uh, our fleets in the rental side, you can do some things like that. And so that lends to, you know, that lends to uh, marginal benefits. I think on on returns that we continue to chip away and focus on. And so just having better visibility, and then coupling that with better predictive analytics and, and ordering uh, behaviors and stuff, I think over time, can provide better efficiency on the model. Um, I mean, the market is very competitive, and everybody's doing a bit of that, and so you can expect you know, that uh, there is pressure to be more competitive on the margin side, too. So.
3: But, Max, to your point, I mean, theoretically, it should help, but it, it all comes down to execution, like always, right? So we're not getting ahead of ourselves here. We, we, we're we're pleased with the progress we're making and the relative to the investments, but we, we've we've got to execute.
9: okay, that's super helpful. Thank you so much. Great. thanks Max. Thank you.
1: There are no further questions registered at this time, so I would now like to turn the meeting back over to mr. Mcmillan.
2: Great, thanks very much Elena uh, and thanks everyone for your participation today. I conclude our call. I wish everybody uh, safe and uh, healthy balance of your summer. Take care.
4: Thank you.
1: The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation.
4: and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Thank you
0: for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.